Why shouldn't I be able to stand up for myself? Why does that make me less classy? Why does that make me less composed? Why does that make me less feminine? Because I want to stand up for myself when someone's saying something offensive. There's bias, but then there's people who are biased and don't even know that they're biased. Hello, I'm Braden Parker, the co-founder of Casca, and you're listening to A Lot to Learn, a series of candid discussions that tackle challenging and interesting topics designed to highlight diversity of experience and thought. Today, I have a conversation with my good friend, fellow entrepreneur and co-host, Mike Reed. I love all three of those titles. That's amazing. (laughs) Honored to have you. (laughs) We also have Jackie Redmond, a sportscaster, host, and reporter with the NHL and MLB Network. We had a very interesting discussion talking about women in male-dominated industries, such as sports media. Jackie, thank you for opening up and sharing your experiences and great stories with us. Everyone else, enjoy the show. Jackie Redman, apparently born in Halifax, Nova Scotia, but you call London your hometown, um, London, Ontario, Canada. You're currently in New York. As far as work goes, you've had a quick stint at ET Canada. You've worked at Rogers TV before you worked for Sportsnet. You've worked in radio. You worked for the Score Television Network, where you got your sportscaster start. You've worked for Rogers Sportsnet. You've hosted, you've produced. Now you currently host at NBA and MLB Network and host the Culture Podcast. Am I missing anything from your journey of this person of where did she come from to now learn she's worked (laughs) everywhere in Canada and the States? Um, well, as much as I love the NBA, uh, I work for NHL Network. Sorry, did I say NBA? Yeah, yeah. Oh my goodness. So here's, <laughs> here's why. Too? No, I'm just kidding. Here's why. Here's why I said NBA. I'm currently sitting at a desk and to the left of me is a replica 2019 NBA championship Raptors ring. And to the right of Ooh. me is a poster of, uh, sorry, is a photo frame of Kawhi shooting that buzzer beater shot. Uh, so. Yeah. I, no. I, I apologize to the <laughs> NHL, Canada's darling. We love you. I, you know, it's so funny because like, as you were speaking, I like, you said NBA and I, I just chuckled to myself because I'm like, what are the odds? It's like me and Mike have known each other forever. <laughs> you know what I mean? So like, for me, I'm just like, aha, that's funny. Like he, he must like have something on his mind or was like reading an NBA article two seconds ago or like whatever. But like to a listener, it's just like, oh my God, he doesn't know anything, but it's like, <laughs> no, he does. Trust me. He, he knows, but uh no, yeah, that that pretty much covers like my overall journey in terms of, you know, my career resume and the places that I've been and for the most part the things that I've done in terms of what networks I've worked for, but I think what gets lost a lot of times for students and people that are reading about people that have already accomplished things in the industry or however you want to say it is that there's so many things that you have to do at those networks or outside of those jobs to sort of put yourself in a position to be ready for the big opportunities. So for me, you know, people like, Oh, well, like you started working at Sportsnet when you were, you know, X years old, like you were so young. And I was like, yeah. And I cut highlights for a year and I was, I didn't win a contest and just get a show. Mike, you were there, you know? So I was, you know, 
in a dark suite every night watching <laughs> five or six games at a time because that's how the score television network rolled. It's like yep. one game. I don't think so. You're going to do like six games. Yeah. Um, and so it's those little things and covering swimming and Canadian diving and tennis and, you know, a lot of things that I was not well versed in before I got into the business. So, but yeah, you got, you got the bases covered for sure. I have a quick question. Sure. What was the most obscure sport that you had to cut tapes of Ooh, or that you had to um, cover? For covering a sport, just for me in terms of out of my realm of, of my wheelhouse or of my knowledge of sport was definitely covering swimming, which is, it's a simple sport to learn, but when you don't know anything about it really going in, aside from watching the Olympics every four years, it's so <laughs> daunting, especially when you have not really achieved much in your career yet. You're being given an assignment. Um, and, and I should go to the beginning, which was, I did diving first and it was Canadian diving. It wasn't international go to the Olympics and cover people that you've heard <laughs> of before. It was like, go cover, you know, a, a little Canadian diving competition in Gatineau and, you know, it's going to be broadcast on Sportsnet and that's what you're going to be. You're going to be a poolside reporter essentially. So for me, that was the toughest, one of the toughest early assignments I ever had because I don't really know much about diving aside from like, you know, you're not supposed to make a big splash and how they score <laughs> you. And then you get there and not only do you need to know the sport and how it works and how it's scored and, and what all the terminology is, you also need to learn about all the individuals that you are in, in charge of interviewing, you know, around the event and after they, they perform. So for me, um, that was probably the most obscure thing that I covered in terms of being uncomfortable in the situation. But I think, it's one of the things I look back on and I'm, I'm so happy that I didn't say, I don't want to do this. It's, I don't know enough. Cause I was like, Oh yeah, totally. I can do that. It's no problem. Greg Sansoni. It'll be fine. It'll be <laughs> totally good. Um, they were making but, a small splash. You were trying to make a big splash. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? You come out of something like that. And, and when you come out of something like that and you survive it and, and you actually do okay, you almost go, Oh, okay, like I'm, I'm a little more capable of, of things than I thought. And imagine how much more comfortable or good I'll feel when I'm covering something that I actually know about, or I'm actually well versed in, or I've actually, you know, participated in, in my life. So mm -hmm. for me, like those little things, I tell people all the time, like, you don't come out of school and just get to cover your favorite sport or cover the exact thing that you always dreamed of covering, whether it's music or politics or whatever it, whatever it might be. It's like, sometimes you got to cover stuff that you don't really want to cover or that you don't know anything about to get to that end goal. And that's how it worked for me. It's a really long story, but covering the Canadian diving led to an opportunity covering swimming, an international event in Australia that I only got to cover because a person or Swim Canada um, liked what I did with the diving show and actually asked Sportsnet to send me on the swimming um, assignment that they were you know, partially paying for in partnership with Sportsnet. And then going to Australia, I cover the swimming event. And there, you know, I knew a lot more of the names. You know, Michael Phelps was there, Ryan Lochte was there, Missy Franklin, <laughs> all these legendary swimmers. And I got to work with somebody who was very, very well known in the Canadian sports industry. Um, I believe he was the president of TSN at one point, Rick Chisholm. And he ended up, and unbeknownst to me, he actually sent some clips to Sportsnet and said, this girl's young and she's green, but 
she's got something, you should take a look at her. And a couple of weeks after getting back from Australia, I had an audition uh, to work the highlight desk at Sportsnet. So it's if I say no to that original nice. diving assignment, I might not ever get that chance to do highlights for Sportsnet on the air, on the weekends, on the desk. So it's a long story, I know, but I feel like it's a solid point that I'm trying to make in the end, which is just that you don't always see the path. You kind of have to trust it and trust yourself. Mm-hmm. And take those risks and and do those things that you might not necessarily have wanted to do, but that ultimately obviously made you... Uh, you just never know who you're going to work with or where something is going to lead. You just never know. Yeah, I completely agree. So you kind of, in your story there, kind of touch on our theme a bit. So from the outside looking in, I want to say you look like and seem like this don't care, balls to the wall, figure it out, <laughs> trailblazing sportscaster, let's get it done. However, Sports media is a very male-dominated industry. And 39% of high school girls don't participate in any sport. You were in hockey a lot. You went from figure skating as a child to being like, nope, hockey's my game <laughs> at the age of seven. <laughs> yeah. um, so how did that help you in front of and behind the camera being someone who played sports? Well, you know, it's such a funny story um, how I started playing hockey as a kid because my parents put both my sister and I in to learn to skate very young and I was a great skater and I just sort of ended up on this path of figure skating. I had a coach. I was starting to compete. I was starting to do all these things. And so my mornings were spent, you know, learning those routines, having my coach like yell at me about all the things I did wrong and really, you know, sort of not being fun for me and for what I was looking for because outside of that I was you know my younger sister was playing hockey and I was going to her games and I was Mm. going to her tournaments and I was watching this team experience where you are competing with other people and you're not out there alone and um, I was a little jealous of her that she was had all these friends that she got to play with that they go to the games together go to the practices together and I still remember the day I was at a tournament and my sister it was very, she took a long time to kind of hit her growth spurt. She was a small person. Um, and somebody had like hacked at her goalie in front of the net and was double the size of my sister at this time. And my sister like speared the girl, like Roman Reigns, not like, <laughs> not with her hockey stick, but like tackled this girl to the ground and was like, don't touch my goalie. It was this huge thing. And I remember, and then anyways, they go on, win the tournament, win whatever. And I say to my parents after that, I was like, that's what I want to do. I want to play hockey. Like that looks so fun. Um, (laughs) And so I switched and my mom was devastated and cried because my mom is a huge fan of figure skating. And I still watch figure skating. Actually, it's one of my favorite things to watch at the Olympics. Um, But yeah, so that's kind of how I started playing hockey. And then um, as for how it's helped me in my career specifically, it's been, it's been immense. I mean, people look at it like, oh, well, like you played, so you understand the structure of the game and the strategy of the game and like the different systems and things that come into play. Like, yes, there's all of those surface level things and you could really apply playing any sport, any team sport, um, 
to this. It's just, it's just understanding the culture of it and, you know, what it means to be a part of a hockey team and what it's like to be in a dressing room. And I know it's different than being in a, you know, a men's or boys dressing room. It's not the same because it is a room full of women and we, you know, we do have our differences, but it's just that team mentality and understanding, you know, playing mini sticks in the hallway um, of hotels at tournaments, you know, parents sort of strategizing about who should be on the power play and who shouldn't and overhearing those conversations as a kid. And, um, you know, all of these little, little nuances of the stuff that happens around the game when you're growing up that sort of help you hold your own down the line, like little things like that. I think, you know, when I'm talking to somebody who also played hockey their whole life or has been around the game their whole life, when I make reference to something from my past, um, playing hockey or, or, you know, getting the 25 cent shoes at the rink or, um, you know, mini sticks in hotel rooms and the parents, you know, uh, you know, drinking together at the tur- the away tournaments and kids trying to like steal some of the beers, like all these like little experiences <laughs> that you have, you know, you drop some of those references in conversation as an adult, as a woman trying to fit in at a sports network. And you kind of earn like a little bit of like street cred for lack of a better uh, way to explain it. So I think, yes, it's the knowledge of the game and what it means to play it and that sort of thing. Um, But it's also just understanding a bit of the culture around the sport as well that helps you sort of establish yourself, improve yourself as somebody who, who didn't just decide as a college student, like, Oh, there's not a lot of women in hockey. I'm going to, I'm going to go that route. Maybe my chances are better. It's like, no, I've been playing this game and hanging out in hockey rinks since I was four years old. So I've been around this game literally my entire life. And so, um, I think that that history and that experience 1000% has helped me in my career and in, in establishing myself, you know, in the, in the game that I love for sure. Are there any like adverse reactions? I feel like some people probably are like, Oh, Jackie is rad. She is playing many sticks in hallways. Do you have other people <laughs> that have different reactions? Um, I don't know. Like I would be lying if I said I haven't referenced playing hockey as a kid and had, you know, someone say to me, I was like, Oh, well, like you played girls hockey. It's yeah. not the same. And, you know, like I I for sure have gotten that numerous times in my life, in my career from people, you know, that you would just never expect to say something like that to you. But, um, you know, that's sort of the nature of the beast and part of, you know, the conversation around women's sports is about that. It's about that part of the culture, which is the women's game is amazing. If you watch women at the Olympics or even just on the national level, the talent is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Is it a bit of a different game? Maybe because there's no checking. But outside of that, um, women can hold their own too. So I guess to answer your question, yeah, there's there's adverse reactions to sort of talking about how I've played hockey and I grew up in hockey rinks and all of that. But mm-hmm. I'm the kind of person, you know, I've I've had enough things like that said to me that now I just sort of, I almost laugh to myself at the other person. <laughs> who said it (laughs) like okay whatever dude or chick you know it doesn't really you know whoever said it we were kind of going down a like a stats rabbit hole and 90 percent of sports editors are male Mm -hmm. so if that's the case when you're doing pitches or thinking of a segment or an idea 
is there a thing you need to do or things you need to you've had to learn to make sure that your voice is heard in those male dominated rooms or have you been given space or are those rooms really easy and no one cares like what's your experience been Oh, Mike, you know me, I'm loud. So they're going to hear me. Are they going to listen? I don't know. No, I'm a loud individual. But, um, you know, for me and in my experience, which is all I can really speak to is I think um, for me, I'm terrified in boardrooms, in pitch meetings and all that stuff. I think most people are. Um, but I think I learned a long time ago, very early in the industry that you actually get further by just going for it than trying to do it the way that everybody tells you you have to do it. Like, oh, you can't pitch a segment until you've done X, Y, Z, and you have to do it this way. And you have to speak this way on camera. And you have to ask these types of questions and don't laugh in an interview. It makes you look childish. Like all these like little anecdotes that you get along the way, you sort of filter through and eventually kind of figure out that you just have to do it by being yourself and being fearless and sort of going for it. But I think that for me, I'm super lucky that I had such a close relationship with my dad as a kid and part of our relationship, I would, I would say a strong or um, a main part of the foundation of our relationship is sports. And when I was growing up, you know, and I got old enough to stay up a little bit later we would watch the Leafs or we would watch the Blue Jays, different things. And my dad would always listen to those call in radio shows afterwards. And, you know, where like fans are calling in, some of them are intoxicated, they're asking the host questions, they're giving opinions. And my dad would listen to these shows and he started to let me listen to them with him when I was like, I don't know, maybe nine or 10 years old. And he would take whatever the topic of conversation was, whatever the, the listener was calling in to ask, and he would turn the conversation to me and he would talk to me about it. And we would start to have that conversation. And for my dad, I think my dad was just, you know, bonding with his daughter and, and treating me like one of his buddies, um, you know, because my mom, you know, was always away for work and traveled a lot. So it was always me and my dad. And, and she wanted to talk about figure skating. She wasn't talking. Yeah, about she wasn't talking about <laughs> hockey. Um, so uh, we would, you know, start to have those conversations, and and what that did for me. And I don't even know if my dad realized it at the time. I certainly didn't. This is something that I have discovered, you know, looking back on my life in hindsight, is that by having those conversations with me, he was in a way demonstrating and telling me that I do not only do I have a voice, but he's open to listening to it. And he cares what mm. I have to say. He cares if I think Darcy Tucker should be playing with Matt Sundin or not. Like he cares what I think about that. Yeah. And as a young girl um, who doesn't know anything else, who only knows her own experience, when I got to high school, and, which is awkward for everyone, and if it isn't, you're lying. Um, <laughs> you know, it's awkward for everyone. And and I, I would find myself only ever feeling confident or comfortable when I was talking about hockey or baseball, the sports that I knew. Basketball a little bit. I played basketball, but I didn't watch it as much until I was older. Um, but, you know, I, I was confident there. And I think the reason I felt confident to 
voice my opinion with other people in class or, you know, with my, with my guy friends at recess or, you know, at lunch in high school was because of those conversations with my dad. And I would always get the same, you know, I would always get these reactions. Like, how do you know so much about the Maple Leafs? I was like, because me and my dad watch every game and we listen to all the shows and, you know, read the newspaper together and all of this stuff. And so I think that, foundation and that experience with my dad is what gave me the ability to be fearless in those conversations and to not be afraid of expressing my opinion and and being proud of of what I knew about that team and about about the game of hockey so ultimately you know I actually had a high school teacher that would give me if I stayed quiet for all of class, she would give me the last five minutes to just talk about the game that either happened the night before or was happening that night. Because <laughs> um, she just wanted me to shut up. And so, um, you know, I kind of learned through those experiences, like, hey, maybe this is like a unique trait, like maybe not all you know, young girls have this experience. I have learned that a lot of girls do actually have that experience and have had that experience. But for me, um, in my you know, experience. I just, I had so many people surprised by, by my opinions and the fact that I had them, that I was like, maybe I could actually cover hockey. Like maybe that's something that I could do. So that was a very long answer. (laughs) It was marvelous. So, um, he's the man. (laughs) So we're talking about kind of the industry and women and, we can't get away from the BS of our sex being stupid and ignorant. (laughs) And I think this probably shines best on Twitter. Mm -hmm. Um, I have an idea just based on the comment section of your Twitter timeline to be like, Oh, people are dumb and people will just verbally attack you or harass you or say stuff to you with zero basis other than the fact that you're a woman talking about a sport and your opinion, if you put a male face on there would be no different, but then because you sometimes wear a dress, dudes are freaking out. What don't I see? I want to say is is my question. So I just see the stuff that is in your timeline, but like how bad does it get? You know, it's so crazy that you're asking me this question in this way, because I recently have started, um, explaining it to people differently than I used to. So when I used to respond to a troll or somebody, you know, saying something very offensive to me online, and I do that once in a while, because sometimes, you know, I feel like I just want to stand up for myself and I have the right to do that because some people have given me advice and been like, you shouldn't do that. It's not a good look. And I was like, okay, you, you do you and I'll do me. Sometimes I need to respond, (laughs) but you know, you know, you'll respond to one of those comments. That's like, don't give me your opinion, stay in the kitchen, or you only have a job because you're good looking or whatever it might be. Right. And I'll respond and I'll quote tweet it. And then I'll get so many people in my mentions on Twitter saying, why do you even pay attention to this? It's just one idiot who cares, like ignore the haters, like don't pay any attention to it. And while I understand that sentiment, those people only see the one quote tweet. They don't see the numerous times a day that I open those mentions and it's like, there's one, there's one, there's one, there's Mm. one. 
And so there's so much more that people don't see because it's not in their mentions. It's only the one every few weeks that I quote, tweet and respond to that they're seeing. So they, to them, it's like, oh, it's no big deal. But, you know, when it comes to your mental health and the things that you consume, and I think that's a whole other conversation about what we're consuming on on almost a 24-7 basis, whether it's on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook or on TV or whatever it is, it's like that stuff does impact you. And when it's constant and consistent and it's the same thing and it's negative, eventually it affects you. And so for me... Sometimes I just feel better knowing that I stood up for myself, that I didn't just sit back and allow these things to be said to me. So that's how I view it. Um, it's just, it's just nobody sees my mentions, but me, unless somebody searches them, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, you know, for just, you know, a casual Twitter scroller, they're not seeing how incessant it is. And if you were dealing with it on that daily consistent basis, and it's not always like that. It's, I find it's like when it rains, it pours, you know, like I could go six weeks and like not have anyone say anything negative to me. And then for whatever reason, for like two weeks straight, it's like, oh my gosh, why is everyone so mean on Twitter? You know, it's like, it just kind of depends. But yeah, I just think, you know, keep in mind when, when you do see somebody responding to that hate, it's like, it's, it's not just the one tweet or the one person, you know, for some people it's happening all the time and a lot. And so we all handle it in different ways, but, um, that's kind of how I, that's how I look at it. This is the crazy thing. And I'll, I'll actually get your, both of your thoughts on this as well. There's the people that are in your face, like sexist or just saying rude things, right? Like the person on Twitter that's like, you don't know anything about sports, get in the kitchen and cook me a sandwich, like very obviously being offensive. Yes. Like that's kind of crazy. Yeah. Like you're being offensive and you know it and you're okay with it. (laughs) It's like you're being a caricature right now. Yeah. Like, you know, you're very well aware of your bias, right? And you don't care. There's that, right? But then there's also people who are unaware of their bias and they say things to you or they make jokes to you that they actually have no idea are completely sexist. And those ones to me are the more alarming comments because you're not aware yet that you even have a bias, that you even think this way because you think that women don't know anything about sports or, you know, like I've had people in the industry make like little, like off the cuff jokes to me that they think are just in jest and they're funny and there's nothing wrong with them. But it's in my mind, I'm like, Oh wow, you have no idea how sexist you are. You just don't even know. You don't even know that Mm. what you just said is offensive. And to me, like that's, that's a whole other issue. And maybe even a more important one to tackle is like, there's this, and it's, there's so many different factors as to why, you know, people think this way, like girls don't know sports or women can't play sports. They don't know anything about sports. There's so many reasons why that is a mentality for some, but well, yeah, because they don't have a penis. <laughs> I think it's obvious why women can't play sports, right? I, I oh, thought we're yeah. all agreeing with that. Yeah. You know, how, yeah. yeah. So, or, or you can't, you can't possibly know anything about sports. Oh no, no. I no, mean. I mean, how how could you know about a sport by watching it and following it? Like and, every like, analyst or sports yeah. writer who's never played the game, but these men are experts because they write exactly. about it. Exactly. Exactly. And nobody, you know, nobody questions it. 
But if you're a woman, you know, sometimes someone will question it. But, you know, for me, it's like there's there's like the the blatantly obvious um, biases and 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 sexist comments. And then there's then there's the ones where it's like, oh, like you're you're sexist, but you don't even know. Which is also terrifying because then that can also impact the actions that they take. Right. Yeah. Like it's more than just the conversation. It's like maybe that that is going to impact like who they talk, like that could impact so many different things beyond just the conversation, who they hire, who they promote, what, like, that's the scary part. And to me also like, sorry. Um, I also feel like even, even your comment about Twitter, it's almost like feels like that's, it's biased for some people to even say like, Oh, don't highlight this. It's not a problem. It's like, no, no, no. Like it's not a problem for you, but like you should be able to highlight whatever you want. Yeah. There's, um, I forget who said it. It might. I mean, I'm going into pop culture here. I'm going to some of my girls that I like to listen to musically. Mm-hmm. But I, it might have been Halsey or somebody. But she said something about there's something wrong with the idea that when a woman is criticized, she should sit still, be pretty, and and be quiet. Like yeah. you don't need mm-hmm. to say anything. You know, like nobody's ever telling like. I shouldn't say ever, like I'm sure it happens, but you know, it's, it's much more common for when a woman sticks up for herself, she's like, Oh, be classy, take the high road. Don't, don't engage in that, you know, kind of just, you know, just smile, be, be proper, be classy, be whatever, instead of like, no, why shouldn't I be able to stand up for myself? Why not? Why why does that make me less classy? Why does that make me less composed? Why does that make me less feminine? Because I want to stand up for myself when someone's saying something offensive. That's kind of how I look at it. It's sometimes I feel like when I'm just, when I'm just quiet about it, I'm almost, um, you're just like complacent. Yeah. Right. So, but I think there's parallel, I mean, there's obviously parallels too, right? I mean, it's when, when social injustice is such a topic of conversation right now and, and rightfully so, I think it's the same thing. I'm sure, you know, when you look at, you know, Black Lives Matter and, and all the conversations that are being had, I'm sure there's a parallel there where it's like, there's bias, but then there's people who are biased and don't even know that they're biased. Mm-hmm. And there's yeah, which that, is much you know more I mean? dangerous, and yeah. which is also actually a theme. Like Mike, that was the exact same, the huge part of our last conversation that we had. Mm-hmm. Um, like unknown bias is way, way, way worse. And highlight that's honestly a big part of the purpose of this entire series is to highlight that and say, look, there's a lot that we don't know. We don't know how do we highlight that? Mm-hmm. Um, are there any like specific examples that come to mind, Jackie? That are like that are some of those that have directly impacted you maybe even like through some actions that were taken or where you had to really fight for some of the things that you believed in or, or like a certain pitch that you're like, no, no, no. Like you're not hearing what I'm saying. Oh yeah. Um, I would say like, (laughs) I'm like trying to, I'm combing through my memory, but you know, like one thing I think that's happened to me a few times, something will happen. Right. And I'm not going to say what area of my career this happened in it doesn't matter where I was working or when it happened or who said it you know what I mean it just doesn't matter but the example is that numerous times in my life in covering sports something will break or something will happen a trade an injury whatever it might be let's use an injury just for example's sake and I will vocalize, hey, to the producer of the show that I was working on at the time, hey, this happened. I think this needs to be in the A block. And for listeners right now, that just means the first block of the show. 
And that's where you put your, your hard hitting stuff. The most important stuff of the day goes there. And was sort of like, Oh, okay. Thanks for the heads up. You know, I think I'm going to throw it in the, in the B block or the C block. I was like, Oh, I don't know. It's a pretty big injury. I think you should, I think it's important enough to put in the, in the first block of the show. Like this is big. And, and I'm thinking of a specific example right now, but I don't want to say what it is because it'll put a time to it. Yeah. So I can't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I can't do it. I'm sorry. I know people listening are probably like, no, give us the juice. Let <laughs> us know. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I'm like, you know, you fight for it, you fight for it, you fight for it. And then, you know, you just, you're like, okay, well, this is going to be what it's going to be. I said my part. This is how I feel about it. It's not going to happen. I'm not the producer. It's fine. And then literally... 10 minutes later, because we're not on the air yet, right? We're like 30 minutes prior to the show starting. 10 minutes later, someone else working on the show, who wasn't obviously, who was male, you know, who was not part of this conversation that had just transpired, says to the same producer, and now we're all together having this conversation, hey, did you see so-and-so's hurt? They're going to be out X amount of time. Like, this is huge. We got to talk about this. Oh, where do you think we should put it? Oh, it's got to be in the first blog of the show. Okay, yeah, let's move that up. Just like that. What's the difference in the two conversations? There's only one. There is, there's two. That person had been, had been working in sports longer than me. So I guess you could, I guess, ageism or experience, I guess. But other than that, you know, we said the exact same things. And one person got pushed back and the other it was like, oh, you think so? Okay, cool. Let's put it there. So it's things like those. And, and, and that producer is a great person, you know, always worked well together, but I don't think he even realized. It was me, wasn't it? It was me. It was me. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even think that he realized Mm. the bias there or why he, he was so quick to just listen to this person and not to me. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, a hundred percent. Yeah. A, A completely different example of someone, you know, being, you know, bias or a little bit sexist and not realizing it. Um, I remember, you know, wearing a jersey one day to work and this person didn't know that I was a fan of this particular sport. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so obviously it wasn't hockey. It was yeah. a different jersey. Yeah, yeah. And they were like, oh, I didn't know you were into that sport. And I was like, oh yeah, totally. I was like, didn't get into it till later, but yeah, I love it. Oh, like, how did you become a fan of that team? Was it the jersey colors? Ooh, Do you like the quarterback? Oh no. And I'm oh like, no. oh, I just gave up the sport. Oh, well. But, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but like, that, like a comment like that, right? Like, why, why do you assume that I would pick my team based on jersey colors? Where does that come from? What is that? Wow. I, so it's, it's unfortunate. I was going to say funny that you say that. It's unfortunate that you say that because... I can't think of a reason why I would ever think to ask somebody about the jersey colors of a like, but obviously that's something that you have heard more than once, mm-hmm. or even like, oh, do you like the quarterback? And I suspect even if someone were to, even if that person were to ask a man, do you like the quarterback? They would probably mean them as an athlete, mm-hmm. not oh, do you think that quarterback's cute? Yeah. And here's the other thing, because I'll reverse it too, because I just analyze everything. Like me assuming that that person meant you think the quarterback is cute. That's still an assumption on my part, but why am I making that assumption? 
because well, of my experience. Well, that, well, yes, there's that. <laughs> but there's also my whole experience in life of having things like that said to me. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I'm, I'm expecting that that's what you mean because of everything that society has taught me as I've grown up in this world. Right. So it's like, it's, it's crazy when you kind of look at it that way. And then you're like, wait, did I assume wrong? Am mm-hmm. I assuming wrong because of past things that have been said or done to me? Maybe I am. I don't know. But that's the effect that all of it has on social interaction and how we treat each other. So um, it's crazy, really, to think about sometimes. It really is. But I've, yeah. I've walked into bars and pubs and had people come up to me and recognize me from wherever I'm working at the time. And they literally asked to quiz me mm. numerous times. Like they don't you? trust that you yeah like actually <laughs> no how did you get into sports why how do you know so much about sports those are questions i get all the time how do you know so know. much about sports do people go up to jay on right in the street and go how do you know so much about sports <laughs> <laughs> i doubt it <laughs> like, yeah. probably not it's like i watch games i listen i read i pay attention i yeah <laughs> Yeah, wow. you're gonna yeah get into the story of when you were seven watching hockey and the fact that you grew up with the entire thing. Like the same way you got into sports, you jackass. <laughs> yeah. yeah, totally. Like, yeah, yeah. So, so, I've heard you say numerous times, um, "I don't want to be the girl that throws the panel. I want to be on the panel." To those who aren't familiar with that phrase or term can you please explain that and why it's so important sure um for me uh growing up right there wasn't that many women in sports to begin with at least that i could see and again like growing up in canada right like we only had a couple of networks that you could watch sports on um so there's that element but then it was always the traditional like traditional roles that i saw women in were on the sideline um or as a host, but when they were a host, they never, they never said anything really of substance. It was always teeing up an analyst or teeing up their co-host, which a lot of male hosts as I was growing up also did the same thing. So it was very the traditional way to do it. And for me, I always wanted to be different from that. I always wanted to be a part of the conversation because ever since I was nine years old, listening to sports talk radio with my dad, I was a part of the conversation. Mm -hmm. And for me, rightfully or wrongfully, I didn't want that to change. And I never have. And so that's just who I am as a person. But I also understand that when I go on the show that I host now, NHL now on NHL network. So if you have it, it's on four to six when the world's normal. Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, it's obviously not on right now, but five years from now, yeah. Um, you know, I am encouraged to have an opinion. I am someone that is always a part of the conversation. I'm at a point now where I work with analysts who disagree with me and who push me back. Nice. And even that to me is like a sign of respect um, because they push me back in a way that is like, let's have this conversation. Then we don't agree. Let's talk mm-hmm. about it. As opposed to, you don't know what you're talking about, like, stop talking. You know what I mean? Like, they respect, like, EJ Raddick is someone I work with. And I say this all the time. I said, you know, supporting women in sports is not just about being like, yes, 
let them have opportunity or, you know, yes, like encourage opportunity for women or, you know, supporting a woman when she does have an opinion or, you know, just being respectful and all of those things. It's also about treating women the same, which means if you Mm -hmm. disagree with me, don't be afraid to tell me that you disagree with me. Respect me enough to say that you disagree with me and let's talk about it in a respectful way. And so yeah. for me, when I, you know, there's two people specifically that, that do that. And, and I know that it comes from a place of them believing and respecting that I do know what I'm talking about is EJ Raddick and Mike Johnson. Both of them are like that. And they always, you know, they're always telling me like, I remember the first time that Mike Johnson disagreed with me on the air and we got a huge debate on the air about it was something to do with John Tortorella okay I don't remember exactly (laughs) what it was but we did we got a huge we completely disagreed with each other Mike Johnson is someone I have a huge amount of respect for he's played the game he's an incredible analyst he's an incredible like he's so good at what he does I think he's one of the best and I remember after that because we really did disagree on the air live television not even like taped or anything like that and I remember him saying to me after he goes you're totally cool like when I disagree with you, right? Like, you know, that it's because I know that you know what you're talking about. Like, I respect the hell out of you. And I was like, yes, 100%. I love that. A, that, that you, you feel that way, but that you took the time to let me know, like, just so you know, like, I, I hope you know that this is coming from a place of respect. I love that, like, you, you know, have the guts to say what you think. And even if I disagree with it, like, you will let me know why you think what you think, and we can have that conversation and it's good. And that's part of it, too. So there's, there, that's another layer that I don't think gets talked about enough for me. And and sorry, just to clarify, is that the acknowledgement of explaining that the respect is there? I think I don't think it's I don't think he had to say that to me at all because I didn't assume otherwise. Yeah. But I think because of of a lot of the things that have happened and because, you know, sexism in sports is pretty out there obvious. and pretty <laughs> yeah. obvious. I think someone like Mike who's a very intelligent person, a very aware person, knows that it could be perceived differently him disagreeing with me. Mm. But but it but it was not at all that. It we just had he treated me like he would treat another analyst that he disagreed with. And I and I loved and I know that because I know who I'm working with, you know. So for me, I was I loved it. I thought it was great. I thought it was great television and but I think for me, it's, it's not the acknowledgement or him coming up to me afterwards. That's the important part. I think it's the fact that, that in that moment and in that conversation, he respected me enough to have that conversation with me on the air. He didn't brush me off. He didn't tell me I was wrong. He actually just engaged in the conversation with me like I belonged in it. And for me, it's, it's one thing that, that I've always really, admired about the relationship that I have with him. And it's the same with EJ, you know, EJ will turn to me like mid show, like I won't even be in the segment and we'll come back and he'll ask me what I thought about something. And so, you know, it's, it's those types of things that I think mean the most to me, but. Where you have people that you work with who are throwing to you. Yeah. Genuinely wanting me to be a part of the conversation, not feeling like, like they could just kind of like have to, you know, what did you think of their jersey colors, Jackie? <laughs> oh my god! Oh uh, yeah, no, neither of those two has ever said that. Yeah, no, it's so funny. 
so you don't have to rehash this, I'm, I'm going to for you. In an interview once uh, in response to the NHL all-female broadcast, you said it's important for dads of boys and young boys to see women in prominent positions. So one day we don't have to have all-female editions of a show or broadcast for it to be important or talked about. It would be just normal. Young boys would grow up in a world where a woman covering a sport isn't, oh my God, look at that, good for her. It's just the world we live in. It's as important for young boys as it is for young girls to see broadcasts. What can we do as a community to further this idea or to help or to support or make the situation better? Because Braden always loves to talk about, it's not just about what's wrong, but he really wants these opportunities, these conversations to be about what can we as a community do to make the situation better? So to your point, we live in a world where it's not a thing that has to happen or it's not important because it's just the norm. Yeah, I think with with situations like that where it's, you know, an all-female edition of the show, or we had a few of those this year, specifically in hockey, you know, an all-female uh, game broadcast. And those are, and, and they're wonderful and, they, and they're great and they highlight some of the talent that we have covering sports. But when we do these shows, and I've done them, so I'm including myself in this we, we talk about, young girls at home being inspired and young girls that play sports at home, seeing someone that looks like them. And yes, those shows are certainly for them because you want, if you don't see yourself in a role, then you don't believe you could be there one day necessarily. Mm -hmm. So it is important. One million percent. I'd never want to take away from that, but that's not the only people those shows should be for. They should be for the young boy sitting at home whose sister wants to play hockey or baseball or basketball or whatever it is, and him understanding that that is a normal thing, that his sister belongs there, that women covering sports is normal. It's great. It's the same. It's just what it is so that when he grows up one day, he's not on Twitter saying, hey, stop talking about sports and make me a sandwich. Mm. Because when he was six, he was listening to Rachel Nichols, you know, give her opinion on whatever. And and he and he, it was just a part of his environment. It was just a part of his upbringing. It was just normal. He was never was never told otherwise. So I guess that's what I mean when I say that is that. I think it's there's this misconception that those all female shows are for women, but they shouldn't be. That shouldn't be how we look at them. They're not for women. They are for women, but they're for everyone. Mm-hmm. Because we're trying to change the stereotype that, you know, women are only there, you know, to look pretty and and read a teleprompter. Because that's not it. That's just not it. How do we take action? How do we further that narrative outside of those all female shows that, you know, have happened once a year or, or whatever it is. I think it's just by evaluating ourselves and catching ourselves in our own conversations with the people around us and specifically the youth. Like, I think that's like, if you try to change someone's way of thinking, the way they've been thinking for 35 years, it's a tougher task than when you're babysitting your nephew and Mm. you're watching a game together and Rachel Nichols comes, or maybe you're just watching TV and you turn on Rachel Nichols show and maybe you just watch it, but maybe what you should be doing is talking to your nephew or whoever it is about how great she is at her job. 
how she's so knowledgeable and she's so personable and she's one of the most respected people that covers the NBA. Yes, she is. And she's a woman, but I don't want to have to say that. And so how do we get to the place where we can just say, man, Rachel Nichols is one of the most respected people that covers the NBA. That's it. Without the caveat of yeah. as because a woman. she is. Like I cover hockey. I have yeah, I shouldn't ever say this, you know, from a career standpoint, but I don't really have any interest in ever covering the NBA. But I don't watch anyone as much as I watch Rachel Nichols. Because I I just I try to take as much as I can away from what she does because she's so good. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I hope I answered that. I kind of went a little all over the place. No, that there, was that was great but yeah like let's we don't need to say you know that extra little bit about her she stands on her own and and i think anybody that has played in the nba during her career like you can tell the respect she has oh you can yeah. tell you can see it yeah what do you think are some like i completely 100 percent agree both my parents are teachers and i had the pleasure of you know seeing so many kids lives that they were able to to touch and, and teach and like that being said, I do think that, you know, what are some of the actionables that, well, that anyone can take for the the generation that is currently maybe making those calls of, of what's going to go in the A block or the, or the B block? Like, how can, how can uh, anyone support that? I think for me, one thing that I think when I look back on my career so far that I wish I had done a little bit differently is to speak up when certain things happen and not just in terms of like being a female in sports, but in a lot of different areas, because I think part of it is that jokes get made, things get said, people get disrespected in a joking manner, quote unquote. And you know, a lot lot of us like stand by and just kind of like awkwardly let it happen. Yeah. And I think early in my career, I was very guilty of, trying to like play it cool, be the cool girl. I'm not like, I'm not like a feminist, like whatever. I'm cool. You know, I'm like laid back. I'm cool. It's all good. You can't offend me. But I think there are a few instances where I wish that I didn't take that approach because I should have spoken up. I should have said something, you know, or even, and then that doesn't mean you have to be combative. I don't think, I think it's, because that's the other side is like, I don't want to fight people, (laughs) you know, like Mm. I don't want to create aggression or anything like that. I think it's just about like saying to the, to the person that's like, Oh, I know you from sports neck. How do you know so much about hockey? Can I quiz you? Can we have a quiz off and be like, why do you think you need to have a quiz with me? Yeah. You like explain that to me, like have that conversation instead of laughing or, and I did this once at real sports in Toronto. I allowed a quiz to happen. I actually participated in it as a, and this was when I was at the score. So Mike, you know, like I was very oh, cool. new in the industry then, like yeah. super new. They could have asked me, and this is the crazy thing. It's like, they could have asked me anything under the sun, any friggin' question they wanted. And if it was, there was one thing that I didn't know, it's like, you don't know sports. That's it. And I actually put myself in the position to potentially have that happen. It didn't, thank God, but it didn't. <laughs> but like, it's actually funny. I can't remember what the question was, but they asked me who someone played for. And it was a, um, I wish I could remember his name right now, but it was someone that was basically playing in the AHL, wasn't even in the NHL. Hmm. So like the 700 plus guys that were playing in the NHL at the time, 
they asked me about a guy that doesn't even play in the NHL and who he plays for or who he had like been called up for a couple times, whatever. He had like played, but wasn't really in the NHL. If you know what I mean? It was like a, like a fighter. Yeah. And I remember saying, I think I said Philly. I'm trying to remember the player right now, and I can't. And this guy lost his mind. He was like, no, that's wrong, blah, 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 blah. And his boy, sitting to his left, tugs at him. Yo, man, sit down. Stop. He's like, what? He's like, she's wrong. This is the team he plays for. I'm right. This is who he has played for, been like called up for before. And he's like, no, man, like, she's right. You're wrong. And we Googled it and I was right. And he was wrong. And it was like this hilarious full circle karma that happened in the moment. I wish in hindsight, I would have had a different conversation then instead of saying, yeah, okay, I'm going to prove myself right now and have this quiz with you. I wish yeah. I had just been like, why do I have to prove myself to you? Random and honestly, like, even on the topic of unbiased sexism, it's almost like his, in my mind, I'm trying to think about things of like, if I was his friend, I'd be like, dude, you need to not even have this conversation because he was probably getting himself amped up. And it's just like, yeah. you know, why do we, I feel like every person who's part of a conversation can, can change it, whether you're the main instigator or you're the person mm-hmm. on the sidelines. Exactly. Um, exactly. And I think we're learning that a lot right now, just in the world with everything that's happening is that like, it's not okay to just like stand by and sit there and not say anything. Yeah, because you know? not taking action is is by it is an action. Yeah. You know who was there, Mike? Who? Bianca. Bianca oh, was with me B. when this happened. V was with me when this happened, I, and I remember oh, her and I just howling about it after. Like, oh, that guy got what he deserved. <laughs> yeah, instant karma. Yeah, yeah. It's hilarious so because funny. that whole proposition is ridiculous because the person who said, let's have a quiz off, they're just going to ask you questions that they know the answer to. Exactly. It's so ridiculous. And I like still random like, things allowed they remember. it to happen. Like, what the hell? Damn. You um, know what it, was? it was Tom Sestito. That was the player's go. name, Tom Sestito. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, Philly. And he was like, no, no, no. And he freaked out. But. I was right and he was wrong. I, you even know, I, 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 I would never even know who that was. And I worked in a building. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so is there anything that you got going on that you'd like to share? Any places people should go to find you? What can people do? Well, I don't know if you heard, Mike, but I just got engaged. So that's the biggest thing happening in my life right now. Yeah, uh, yeah, find, yeah. That Amazon, find that Amazon <laughs> gift list. Yeah. <laughs> yeah oh, my gosh. I, like, posted the engagement picture, and I was like, how many followers will I lose? Um, Which is awesome. so okay, weird. We, we so have weird. no time left. However, I do want to touch on that, as you mentioned. It. <laughs> I think that's very important. The idea that a lot of women in media if they've gone from not being in a relationship to being in a relationship lose all these male followers like these people were thinking once i meet her we're going to be together and that's the only reason why i'm following like what are you thinking i'll take it i'll take it a step further too please so you were only following me for what you weren't following me then for like the hockey content or the sports content obviously why were you following me? Yeah, I don't, I don't right? know. Right? 
but anyways, I just, so that's, that's like the latest happening in my life. Um, nice. it's the off season right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm hoping to get my YouTube channel back, uh, up and running and locked and loaded. I mean, it's still nice. there, but there hasn't been a new video in a while. So I'm going to work on that. Um, I, well, you were doing I, a lot. You were, you know, Stanley cup, <laughs> Bubble. Two straight months, boys. Two. I, I was fifty nine oh. of sixty one days. It was a crazy stretch. Damn. <laughs> yeah, it was nuts. So I got a well deserved, I think, month off. So I've been off all of October, which has been really nice. Magical. What yeah. are we expecting on your YouTube channel in twenty twenty one? Well, um, quite a bit, hopefully. Um, I am going to start doing some fitness videos with my fiance. That feels weird. To Ooh, say. fiance. Uh, <laughs> um, a little bit of vlogging, hopefully some behind the scenes stuff um, to come. And uh, yeah, just kind of whatever's top of mind at the moment. We've got some home reno stuff coming, very like outside of my normal realm. Uh, I'm super into fitness right now though. So um, I have this idea. I know we're out of time, but I'm just a really quick. No, 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 no. So I'm super into fitness right now. And so I want to do this um, video series called The Butt Project. And it's a serious project, but it's also like tongue in cheek, like very sarcastic. And it's basically like me working out to try to get a butt. And um, I'm going to document the process as a newscaster. So think like SNL weekend update as the visual. And it's me like updating the butt project. It's so ridiculous. But I think it can be really fun. So I've had that idea for a while, for a minute. Uh, I'm going to try to execute that. But I'm going to uh, promote I, the hell out of that. That's <laughs> so funny, right? I love it. Um, and then hopefully, you know, hockey season will hopefully start in January or February, and I'll be back to doing a two-hour show every day again. That's that's the hope. But uh, I might, this is not official yet, but I might be covering the World Juniors, so we'll see. Ooh. Whoa. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. That's my scoop for you guys. Awesome. <laughs> Inside scoop. <laughs> so funny. That's awesome. Um, on the socials, where can people find you? Okay, so on Twitter, you can find me at, at Jackie underscore Redman. On Instagram, it's just at Jackie Redman. On um, YouTube, I believe it's Jackie Redman Official. And on Facebook, it's SN Jackie Redman. Even though I don't work for Sportsnet anymore, I can't change it though. It won't let me. <laughs> <laughs> it literally just won't let me. And I want to do TikTok, but I don't know how. So maybe one day I'll have a TikTok. Nice. Yeah. You miss anything, B? No, this has been amazing. This has been, um, I have a, an embarrassing confession that I'm making at the end of the show. Oh, yay. I just haven't been someone who follows sports super closely. This has just been very, very eye-opening from uh, the perspective of seeing how you got into it and, and a lot of the troubles you've had on the way. Um, I can tell you that if I see anyone in a bar doing any online any doing any sports quizzes i'm gonna be i'm gonna be taking my shoes off i will shut it down it will be completely toast i love it i love it you guys have been so awesome i appreciate you guys having me on thank you for taking the time of course thanks jackie so that was a great episode that was fantastic Um, what were some of your takeaways from that? I think the biggest takeaway that I find really interesting that actually holds from our first episode 
um, was just the idea of this unconscious bias that we all have. Yes. Yes. That was me too. hundred percent. Um, you know, everyone, and I think those unconscious biases, like what we continually hear is that they're actually way more damaging than someone who's just like overtly, um, sexist or overtly racist like that. You know, I feel like a small percentage of the population is actually that way. And it's actually these like hidden biases that, that are creating a bigger impact. There's a very interesting line I remember from somebody in the WNBA, and she said, the only, like, we get disrespected by fans of other sports. We get respect from our male counterparts because they just see us as fellow athletes. Yeah. Or you get people that uh, come over at a bar and decide that <laughs> it's <laughs> worth asking trivia questions to somehow validate someone that they might not suspect actually knows a lot about, about their own occupation. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, 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 you're so we need to make sure they listen to all of our episodes. We gotta, we gotta oh. find those, those types of people and make sure that they understand that we all have a lot to learn and they have the most to learn. <laughs> they have the most to learn. Y'all have a lot to learn. Yeah. It's so true. That's super funny. Uh, yeah. So, so being a person who isn't really into sports a lot is for, like you like surf and you hike and you do all these mountain climbing stuff. So you're like super active, but as far as professional sports, you don't really watch it. So like, how was th- this experience kind of listening to her and having that conversation for you? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I wish that I could say that I wasn't surprised, mm-hmm. um, by a lot of it, but at the same time, I think that even in other sports, you still see a lot of those same themes hold. Um, some of like the best women snowboarders and women climbers are, uh, are dealing with, I think a lot of those same biases. Um, like, do you like that snowboard? Cause it looks cute. And it's just like, <laughs> you know, I, I think that, I think it's a theme that will hold across sports generally. And some of the most badass athletes, whether that's extreme sports or more like mainstream sports are these women that just like kill it. Yeah, you know, it's crazy. Fantastic episode. Well, that, was really cool. that was awesome. And as always, you know, we never stop learning. If anyone feels we missed anything or you want to share your own insights with our community, please feel free to leave a comment below. Send us a note, info at casca.com. Uh, you can also hear some of our other interviews on our journal at www.casca.com or on our Instagram at Casca Designs. Thanks for listening. Until next time.